back again. Welcome back. <laughs> That's a lot of backs. I, baby got back. Anyways, hello and welcome to Crimes and Witch Demeanors, the paranormal podcast where we go beyond the Wikipedia page and use historic and archival resources to investigate your favorite ghostly tales. So welcome back, my ghoulish friends. I've officially moved into my new place, and that's mainly the reason why you've heard nothing from me, and I haven't had any episodes, because there is so much echo in pretty much every room in my apartment. Plaster walls, hardwood floors, and it's a lot larger than I probably should have. But I did try and record episodes, and each one was a complete disaster. So I've built a little sound studio closet, even though it does share a wall with my neighbors, so it's going to get really awkward this episode when I start screaming about milking the cows, but we'll get to that in a minute. Today we're taking on a listener suggestion from Manny and heading over to California and examining the Scary Dairy and California State University Channel Islands, both formerly known as Camarillo State Mental Hospital. This mental hospital was thought to be the inspiration behind the famous Eagles song, Hotel California. However, I'll say right off the bat that the band has flat out denied this numerous times. So while it may not be the inspiration for Hotel California, I do think this location was the inspiration for both the location and plot of Ryan Murphy's Nurse Ratchet miniseries. Once you see the facade on the podcast Instagram, at Crimes and Witch Demeanors if you don't already follow, and hear the story and the myths around it and some of the treatments that were implemented at the hospital, then I think you'll see why I think that the Nurse Ratchet series was influenced by Camarillo State Mental Hospital. So the legend you're about to hear is completely made up by me. I took a lot of liberties with the urban legends and myths and stories that surround Camarillo State Mental Hospital, specifically the Scary Dairy, because there's not an actual, like, official story. There's a lot of urban legends, so I kind of combined them and tried to weave a narrative that would be entertaining, but also try and incorporate every single little legend that there is. So let's just cut to the chase and find out what makes this dairy oh so scary. The sun hung high in the sky, beating down on the birds flying by and the patients tending the fields below. While not truly free like their avian friends above, the patients at the Camarillo State Mental Hospital, who were fortunate enough to work at the dairy, certainly felt that they were. Working the land was a far cry from electroshock therapy, hydrotherapy, and solitary confinement. The Camarillo State Mental Hospital was established 10 years prior in 1932, and unlike many other institutions, it was highly progressive with an emphasis on rehabilitation. Not only was rehabilitation the goal for every patient in the facility, no matter what their background, many progressive approaches to mental health and therapy were adopted, including the use of the dairy farm. It was thought that being connected to nature, nurturing plants and animals, would help calm patient anxieties and foster healthy social habits. And perhaps it would have if staff properly followed procedure. Oi, a worker shouted. Next batch of you lot in the dairy. Got some real special milking to be done today. He laughed, barely concealing a devilish grin. Patient number 2,952 looked up, wiping sweat from her neck feeling the blisters forming from the summer heat. 
patient 2,952, or Jenny as she was known, before and currently to some of the friendlier staff, would give nearly anything to be able to be in the shade of the dairy barn. She never actually had the opportunity to milk the cows, and as fate would have it, this was her lucky day. The boisterous worker rounded up ten patients, including Jenny, and began to lead them to the barn. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, one of the patients stammered. I I, I, I want to stay out here. (laughs) No, no, I don't think so, the worker smiled. Remember how much you like to milk the cows, Billy? You love milking those nice old cows. No, no, you can't make me. Oh, but I think I can, said the worker, grabbing Billy by the arm, shoving him into the barn with the other patients, and closing the door behind them. Now. Time to milk the cows, the man said, shepherding them into a small room off the main dairy, where the other patients were diligently milking away. Where are we going? Jenny asked. Aren't we supposed to be in there with the other patients milking the cows? The man grinned. Remember, I said we're doing some special milking today. Inside the small, dark antechamber was a single cow tied loosely to a pole in the center of the room. The cow seemed old and perhaps even a bit sickly. So, who wants to milk old Bessie, the man said, scanning the group. Jenny's hand shot up. She was so excited. She'd kill to be able to finally milk a cow. She looked around her and she was the only one with a raised hand. Well, what a lucky day. The man sauntered over to her, caressing her chin with his hand. Oh, you pretty thing, he whispered. Normally, I'd love to let you have a go. He licked his lips and gripped her chin harder. But I don't think you're quite ready. He threw her head aside. Billy, it's your turn. No, no, I can't. Oh, but you can and you will. He grabbed Billy, placed a large knife in his hand, and dragged him toward old Bessie. No, no, Billy cried. Yes, the man said again as he shoved him in front of the cow. You know what to do. You've done it before. Slaughter it, the man said, a demonic smile spreading across his round face. What was he doing, Jenny thought. They were supposed to be milking the cows. Patients weren't allowed to slaughter them. It was counterintuitive to their therapy. Had Billy been forced to do this in the past? Were other patients forced to do this in the past? But before she could ask another question, her thoughts were interrupted by a scream. It was Billy. A guttural, feral sound was emanating from his mouth. He looked at the knife in his hand, he looked at Bessie, and then back at the knife. Tears were streaming down his face, the sound still coming from his mouth. The man stood there laughing at him. Billy looked to Bessie and down at the knife again. He slowly walked towards the cow and started pressing the blade against her neck, small droplets of blood appearing on the blade. The man grinned wider. Yes, there you go. But before he could finish what he was saying, Billy was upon him, slitting his throat with the knife. Billy turned to face the other patients, a crazed look behind his eyes that Jenny had never seen. Milking the cows, he screamed, turning toward the rest of the group, blood dripping from the blade of the knife. Milking the cows! (laughs) Milking the cows! He laughed as he ran for the door and swung it open. Milking the cows! He repeated. He made his way into the main dairy, paused for a moment, and then lunged at the nearest worker. Milking the cows! Time to milk the cows! He shouted in his face, plunging the knife into his chest. Jenny hid behind a hay bale, watching in horror as Billy proceeded to kill three more staff members. He was finally held down and subdued by a tranquilizer. 
covered in blood, they dragged him away. And that was the last time that Jenny would ever see Billy. The staff didn't tell the patients what happened to him, but Jenny would hear whispers. The official story was that Billy was transferred to prison, but others said that his brain was accidentally fried by electroshock therapy as punishment. While still alive, his body was hung on a meat hook in the barn, and he was slaughtered as livestock. Interestingly enough, the dairy closed not long after in the 1950s, no longer to be used by the state hospital. Camarillo State Mental Hospital remained in operation until 1997, when it officially closed its doors. During that time, rumors of ghosts abound in the hospital, but everyone was told to avoid the abandoned dairy at all costs. Lest you come across the ghost of Billy, and he would take his revenge. In 2002, the old hospital building found new life as the California State University, Channel Islands, and in 2009, the land with the dairy was officially added to the campus. Strange things still happen at the dairy, and that is how it obtained its name, the Scary Dairy. Or perhaps it obtained its name from the horrors that occurred there. Regardless, like spoiled milk, I'm sure a visit would make your blood curdle in fear. So are you lactose intolerant, or were you not frightened by the scary dairy? Well, as I mentioned, this tale was a complete fabrication. Jenny and Billy, at least as they are in the story, did not exist. Allegedly, it was said that a patient went wild and murdered the staff, but also that the staff regularly killed and tortured their patients, so I figured I'd just roll it all into one little story. So the articles on the internet that you would find on the Scary Dairy and the state mental hospital in general seem really uncertain as to what happened there. There is no one story. There's nothing to really go on in terms of research. It's just a lot of hearsay and urban legends. But again, apparently research is never really done. Uh, I did some very light digging on the topic and came across a newspaper article from September 14th, 1940 from the Ventura County Star Free Press titled, A Hospital Worth $4,013,000. According to the article, the hospital is situated on 1,648 acres of land outside of Camarillo. It was described as a veritable city without corporate limits and was the newest of seven of the state's chain of mental hospitals. Essentially, the article claims it was almost a completely self-sufficient city of its own. Founded on October 12, 1936, by 1940, it had a population of 5,000. Of the 1,648 acres, 1,100 were dedicated for farmland. The buildings at the time occupied only 100 acres, and the remaining 448 were untillable watershed. At the time the article was published, a new ward for women was being built that would actually double the population of the institution from 5,000 to nearly 10,000 patients. Now to the question of farming. Many of the articles were unsure of what they produced, how much they produced. Was it only for therapy that they used the dairy? Were they even producing enough to sustain themselves? Or did they have enough that they could sell it for profit? Literally no articles or blogs could answer this question. According to the article, they produced a lot of product. 
With a herd of 203 cows, the dairy produced 300 gallons of milk a day, and their bakery created 24,000 loaves of bread every month. And that doesn't even include the cookies, pies, cakes, and other baked goods that they made. I don't know about you, even for the 50s, 300 gallons of milk a day I think is a little bit too much for one hospital to have on their own. They were definitely selling this for revenue. So murder. We love murder, right? Was anyone murdered at the asylum? I can't say no for certain. There were definitely violent criminals being held as patients at the hospital. One rather intriguing patient I found in a newspaper was the babysitter slayer. According to the Los Angeles 10-star Daily News, in 1952, Delora May Campbell, 16 years old, was found to be mentally ill and committed to Camarillo State Mental Hospital. Young Delora confessed to strangling six-year-old Donna Joyce Isbell, and she would have been committed there after the women's ward was completed. So while there were violent patients there, many that were much, much more violent and murdery than Delora, I just found that her moniker of the babysitter slayer to just be really campy and kind of fun, despite the murder of a child, so I highlighted that. And why was she called a slayer if she only killed one child? I feel like to earn the name slayer, you need to like be like Buffy and just be constantly murdering children, but I digress. It turns out that Delora May Campbell had actually escaped from the hospital, but she was eventually put back in, and at some point she was released. She actually eventually married and had five, possibly six children, which is absolutely insane for the babysitter slayer who killed babies, and then she proceeded to have five or six of them, which presumably she did not murder. So while there's no evidence of patients killing staff, there might be some evidence to suggest that um, the staff was less than savory and may have been killing, if not just torturing their patients. The Oxnard Press Courier in 1959 reported that the governor, Edmund G. Brown, had sent undercover investigators the year prior to look into alleged mistreatment of patients. So whatever the findings of that investigation, the governor ordered a complete study of Camarillo State Mental Hospital after meeting with these agents and going over the evidence. Uh, However, the doctor at the hospital claimed that while there may be some isolated incidents of abusive patients, he praised the, quote, vast majority of employees at the hospital. So needless to say, there was something strange going on to elicit this type of investigation in 1959 when people doctors even, had a very low opinion of those suffering from mental illness. So if it was enough to create these investigations in 1959, something serious was probably actually happening, though I never found any results of this investigation. Maybe it was covered up. Maybe it was just not worth reporting. However, this wasn't the first or the last investigation into mistreatment of patients at the hospital. In fact, there are so many cases, published and not published, that it would take hours to really go over them all. So here are a couple of highlights. The Oxnard Press Courier reported on February 13, 1957, that Jacob Honigsfeld, age 57, committed suicide by hanging himself from a tree. On November 5, 1956, he was listed as an escapee, but three months later, Another patient found his decomposing body in the bushes, where his body had fell from the tree. He had used a clothesline to hang himself, but some believe that he was murdered. Here's a really mysterious one from the San Bernardino County Sun on August 8, 1957. 
Jack Moore, age 28, died when he burned to death in the incinerator at the Camarillo State Mental Hospital. The article says that Moore was thrown headfirst into the incinerator, but staff claimed that he committed suicide by doing so. Not that he had been pushed or thrown in. In this one, trigger warning is disturbing. As late as 1990, on May 2nd, the Los Angeles Times reported that Rosemary Terraza, age 35, a woman who was mentally disabled with the alleged mental capacity of a two and a half year old, she was raped and then after that she was forced to undergo an abortion without either her permission or her mother's permission. And these are just some of the many horrible things that have happened to patients at this hospital. And it wasn't just patients that have suffered at this hospital. Many employees have died. Donald Mitchell, at age 56, an employee died on November 3rd, 1990, when he was drunk driving on the hospital grounds and drove into a tree. Elizabeth Laborde, who was a laundress at the Camarillo State Mental Hospital on June 8th, 1946, had completed suicide. She had shot herself through the temple with a gun, and she left a note behind that said, I always seem to lose. This is one time I win. So at this point, maybe now you're finding out where these like Ryan Murphy, Nurse Ratchet vibes are coming in. So there's a mental hospital in California that bears a striking physical resemblance to the main building of Camarillo State, a hospital where progressive treatment using farm animals to rehabilitate is used. And it's also a Nurse Ratchet. Abusive staff members, also a Nurse Ratchet, but also in every mental hospital kind of film that there is. There's also a meddling governor in both reality and in Ryan Murphy's production. So some of this, I'm sure, is actually complete coincidence. I will say I don't put much faith in Ryan Murphy's writing team because they're kind of absolute trash. I like to drop the ball on pretty much every plot point. Is Ryan Murphy great at creating environment and creating mood and aesthetics? Yes. Is he great with stories, plot points, and historical accuracy? No. I don't even think that they would have even looked into Camarillo State Mental Hospital, except maybe they did some location scouting. So as mentioned in the story portion, the dairy closed in the 1960s, and they just abandoned the buildings and left them to rot. By 1997, the hospital as a whole had closed. It was left in disrepair until fall of 2002, when the campus reopened as the California State University Channel Islands. In 2009, the college had finally added the 367-acre piece of land that contained the Scary Dairy and incorporated it into the campus at large. It currently has a fence around it, but there are walking trails around it and some other little amenities in that kind of, like, I guess, nature area. So as far as, like, ghostly happenings, articles are really dramatic. Uh, One from Backpackerverse is titled Ghost-Infested College in Camarillo, and then other ones about the Scary Dairy, and... Sadly, the ghost encounters I've seen written in articles are really bland. It's like hearing noises, seeing shadows, like there's no apparitions or anything. Some of it's just cold wind and creepy shadows, which is kind of just nature and abandoned buildings. As far as the campus itself, one of the classrooms is even a morgue. I looked through Reddit and comments on articles, and this is what I found. One person said, definitely creepy, but not haunted. I roamed around the school at night, not recommended, because there are coyotes and foxes. And I always got the creeps when I went to older abandoned buildings, but it's definitely not haunted. Another user said, seen weird and creepy things? Absolutely. Haunted? No. 
However, I guess it depends who you ask. A user named Jesse M. said, I was an ESRM student there in 2009 to 2013. I had an after-hours access to an applied science lab in Malibu Hall that I would sometimes stay throughout the night doing work. There is only one entrance to the lab which requires a code, and you also need a code to get into the entryway hall. So one night around 2 to 3 a.m. I heard something out in the entryway. I assumed it was a janitor or something, so I went out to basically let him know I was there. I opened the door, and there was a lady standing there, looking around, so I asked if I could help her. She kind of glanced up and looked past me and said, I'm looking for my daughter. I've been looking for her for a long time. Now, there was a 24-hour cop patrol who liked to park outside the hall, probably because I was there late a lot, and I went to look if he was there, but when I turned, I couldn't find her anywhere. There were no emergency exits that she could have slipped out of, and I checked the bathroom, and it was empty. So I packed my stuff up and ran to my car. As I was driving away, I swear I saw the lady looking out one of the windows. But all those rooms have sensor lights. I could have been delusional because I was freaked the heck out. After that, I didn't do any more overnights like that alone, and the whole hall had a creepy vibe after that night. I've seen multiple unexplainable things from working late into the night, but I will just give you that one. I always claimed atheism and didn't believe in any of that stuff, but I've seen way too many things now to deny them all. One more story is from Eric. I lived in Oxnard in the mid-90s. My girlfriend at the time was a licensed psychiatric technician at Camarillo State Hospital. Besides the story she would tell me about that place, in 1995 to 1998, I had my own experiences with the spirits there. Most of the time, I would be waiting in the parking lot for her to get off of work, and I would hear noises behind me, like chains on the ground. But I would be standing alone in a parking lot. Sometimes I would hear screams, and the wind would blow hard for a second or two, and then it would get really cold, even in the summer. But the most shocking thing of all happened only two or three times. It was always at night, and I would feel something watching me in the parking lot. And when I looked up to a second-floor window, I would see a dark, long-haired figure looking at me with piercing eyes. Sometimes black, sometimes dark yellow. The figure had a whole whitish glow behind the head. I believe it when they say the Hotel California was based on this place, and I cannot believe that they put a college there. Too many tortured spirits. However, there are some of these encounters, none of which have any kind of thread of consistency, except maybe a woman? There's a lot of conflicting opinions. For example, Bob said that he talked to many people there that claimed it was very haunted and they were terrified, while Matthew White said he worked there at the hospital and never saw anything out of the ordinary. And many other former employees claimed that there's nothing haunted about it. So, I don't know. Who do you believe? Do you think the scary dairy in the state hospital is haunted, or do you think it's all a bunch of bull and it's just a very creepy setting? I think like Ryan Murphy's work... Setting can do a lot to make you feel uneasy and make you feel uncomfortable, especially if there are maybe some psychic imprints of less than stable people that may be imprinted on the land there. Some people claim that the land was once indigenous a burial ground or something, but that's just such a stereotype and I just don't believe it for a moment. However, I would believe that many indigenous people were probably murdered there by genocide, but again, I digress. Sorry if I was a little awkward this episode. My neighbors that I've never heard in my life are literally talking outside of this booth. So I hope you enjoyed uh, this very late episode. In two weeks, there will be another. Don't you worry. I have one in the works where I'm getting a friend that was actually at the location to get me photographs and their testimony. So that's really exciting. So as usual, uh, please go ahead and rate on iTunes if you have not already. If you listen on Overcast, hit that little star button. 
Follow us on Instagram, and by us, I mean me and the voices in my head at Crimes and Witch Demeanors. And uh, yeah, if you're lactose intolerant, please stay away from the scary dairy. And as always, stay spooky. Bye. Ha 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 ha.